Yeah! <laughs> what is up, y'all? My name is John Devine, and I am welcoming you back to season two of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. The show that educates on the three most important pillars of becoming a successful individual our health, our wealth, and our authentic expression of self. Now, before we get started, I would like to take a moment to personally thank you all for an incredible first year and ask that if the show has provided you any value, that you do yourself a favor by subscribing and your friends a favor by sharing the show with them. Now, let's get into it, y'all. Yo, what up, y'all? Welcome back to episode three. Zero episode 30 of the Healthy Wealthy People podcast. Uh, to those of you who are just stopping by for the first time, welcome. Uh, and to everybody who is returning, as always, thank you for your continued support. You are greatly appreciated. So without further ado, let's get into what we're talking about today. I have a very exciting guest. Her name, Eden Thomas. How is she related to me, the show, whatever? She is my stepdaughter. Uh, we have been in a relationship now for just over six years. Um, it has been probably the most challenging relationship in my life. I won't say most challenging. There's definitely other uh, more challenging relationships, and we're actually going to talk about those today because our topic is intentional parenting. So I'm excited. I'm actually, my heart's beating a little fast because uh, we're going to get into some personal shit today. Uh, but Eden, say hello, little lady. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> are you good? Yeah, I'm good. 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 Are you excited? Yeah, I'm very excited. I can tell. Good. Uh, okay. So we're going to talk about intentional parenting. So we broke this into two uh, major um, halves of the show. First half is going to be what um, we think are the seven types of parents um, and how it, at one point or another, Eden and I have walked in every one of these shoes. Um, and then what works for us as a family. I've put together seven tips um, that work for us in our family. And, you know, we've really worked to create um, a very unique uh, lifestyle for ourselves. So we just want to share it with you guys today. So I'm going to start it off by defining what parenting is. And I'm just going to tell you guys up front, I was annoyed with these definitions, but it's just what they are. Um, and what's interesting is part of what we do with parenting now with homeschooling is if the girls don't know a word, we say, go get the dictionary, Kelly go a big old school Webster's dictionary. Huge dictionary. Huge dictionary. So we're just starting to learn how to, hey, if we don't know, let's just go look up the words. So parenting is to be or act, which is important, as a parent by bringing up a child. It's kind of a loose definition and it uses the word in the definition. So parent, what's the definition of parent? an animal or plant from which a younger ones are derived. That's it. A plant or animal from which younger ones are derived. Uh, yeah, obviously. 
Okay. Um, and I think that's part of the problem with being a parent is that's where it ends for some people like my dad, something younger comes for me and did my job. Um, so I wasn't satisfied with that definition. So I went into what is it to be raising? And there is a ton of definitions for raising from raising bread to raising money to raising children. So the first definition that made sense was to breed or grow. That's just a simpler definition of what we just said with parent. Um, next one was to bring up and that's the second time that's been said now bringing up. So I think that just means like, Hey, let them grow up with you in my um, book is like bringing somebody up doesn't necessarily mean in my book that you're parenting them. Um, And then the final one, which is, I don't even think (laughs) they were trying to apply this to like parenting, um, but increasing the amount, level, or strength of something uh, or someone. So... That's the one that I like uh, because you start as this little itty-bitty little infant and you can't do nothing for yourself. And so my job or your mom's job or any parent's job is to increase the amount of that child at base level. Let's grow this child. Um, Increase the level, increase the age, the level of knowledge, all that stuff, um, and increase the strength of. And my job really is to get you emotionally, physically, financially strong so that you can go out in the world and take care of yourself and support yourself. And so that's the one that I like most. And I think that's the one that defines our relationship best. (laughs) So what does parenting mean to you? Um, Parenting means to me like someone who's there and just like shows up every day. Okay. Um, But like your dad, he is your parent, I guess, still. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't there, so to me, that kind of parent isn't really a parent to me because parents are always there, and they stay there till the end. Mm. And they're, they just, like, they just stay there, and they wait for you to grow up, and they make sure that you're safe, safe, and you they know that uh, you are going to grow up to be a kind human being that's actually going to keep herself alive. Mm-hmm. And I think that your mom's parents were very good parents. They did a lot of very yeah. good parenting. They're also great grandparents. Good. Yeah. Dee Dee and Troy with the shout out for being great grandparents. Um, so I think she's right. You know, uh, it's just somebody who's there who shows up um, until the end. That was well put. Someone girl. who comes home, home every day after work. Mm-hmm. And so... With somebody who's there all the time till the end, that kind of tees us right up into the seven types of parents that we're going to talk about. Um, And so I'll rattle them off real quick, and then Eden and I will kind of go in and talk about um, our own little experiences with each one of these. But the seven types of parents, obviously, number one is biological. Like Eden and I have both said, my dad, right? Produced a child, job over, okay? Number two is step parent. Okay, so like my role with Eden currently. He is my stepdad. <laughs> I am her stepdad. Also, I like to call um, you and Amber my. Uh, I don't like the word step. It's just okay. It's Why? So weird to me. Well, it just it reminds me of Cinderella's story. 
and her stepmom. Okay. So I don't I don't like that word. Okay. So what I use is you and Amber are my bonus parents. Okay. So we can say step and or bonus parents, um, which life is about proper framing, so that's good framing. Yeah. Co-parents, um, and this by far in my book um, is the hardest one to do effectively, properly, um, because it's just difficult. You've got two typically very different points of view yeah. that are now raising this child with those separate um, points of view in separate households. Uh, and so it's hard on the parents. It's hard on the kids. Yeah. It's it's hard. Okay. But a lot of us are doing it. Um, the next one is adopted parents, um, which I have been through. Foster parents. So, man, y'all, y'all the real VIPs. I mean, doing what you got to do and having different kids in your house circling through all the time just because you know they're less fortunate. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Um, coaches. Okay. This is the underestimated one, I think. Um, coaches do more raising in our country than a lot of parents. Same with teachers. So, like, coaches, teachers. Um you know, my martial arts instructors literally helped raise me to the point where they became my adopted parents. So don't underestimate coaches. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just good Samaritans. Um, the amount of times that I crashed on a friend's couch or, uh, you know, someone who just kind of knew my story and, you know, felt bad out of the kindness of their heart had me in for a meal or, um, put me up for a couple of days or whatever, like those people you're influencing, you're being there for somebody, you're showing up for them. Yeah. Um, and so you got the good Samaritans as well. And so we're going to touch on all of these, but with biological parents, um, you can start this one, Eden, and feel completely free to tell whatever parts of this you want to or not want to, but your parents got divorced when you were one. Uh, Yes. Um, and that was actually really hard on me because I was so young mm -hmm. and all I've known for that long, I actually think that I was three. You were three. Maya was one. Yeah. Okay. So you're three, which means you're, you have a way better concept of the world around you. Yeah. So and, continue. Yeah. And I had like, I thought everything was going great. And then my parents just said that they weren't good together anymore and so they they got divorced and they have been divorced for almost eight years now mm -hmm. um and my dad and his wife have been married for seven years um so having divorced parents and growing up was actually a little bit harder towards the beginning but towards the end, I just kind of got used to it and all the drives that I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, my dad lives in Missoula, so we had to drive to Polson, and we meet we meet we would meet each other in Polson. We'd switch, and then I would go with my dad. Me and my sister would go with my dad to um, his house, and so yeah, it's been kind of easy towards the uh, 
towards the past like five years, mm-hmm. but the beginning two years were really rough on me and my sister. Mm-hmm. And so I think actually what we're going to do is kind of weave these in together um, because as she talks, um, it makes me go, okay. I can help and kind of bring some light to this for her and to everybody else because step one of what works for us is just step one of what we know works for children and infants, which is their only language is emotions. Yeah. Babies, like if you can teach them hand signals, they can communicate if they want water, if they're hungry, um, X, Y, Z, right? Um, so they can do basic communications with hand signals, but for the most part, if we don't teach them those, then crying or laughing or what, like that's all they got. Right. And they're trying so hard to be able to communicate and they can't, and that alone is frustrating. And so what happens is from one to like three, four, right in that window, you're just starting to put together the emotional world around you. And your sense of safety and like mom, dad and sense of family and okay, sister and their roles are they're in charge. And my role is, especially if you're Eden, I want to help be in charge. Yeah, Um, especially when my mom didn't have anyone else to help her. mm -hmm. I thought that I had to grow up and take charge for that. Mm -hmm. So I thought that I was the parent Mm -hmm. and I had to take care of my mom and my Mm -hmm. sister. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of siblings that feel that same way. My eldest sister, um, half sister, it literally was taking care of me when my mom was in prison and I didn't have a dad. Yeah. Um, she was the one taking care of me, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are siblings that end up in that role all the time. And so what happens is right when Eden at this point is getting that sense of like emotional safety and understanding of the world around her. Now, all of a sudden, that concept of the world crumbles. There goes mom and dad. Right. So you got to imagine the psychological trauma of like, what just happened? What do you mean mom and dad aren't together? Mom and dad are together. It's mom and dad, mom and dad, not mom, dad. So there's a whole bunch of panic. And when humans panic, they try to either fight or freeze or flight, Eden's response was fight, AKA let me try and help parent. Right. My thing was I didn't have any younger siblings. So when I was emotionally unsafe, it was just take care of me. Right. Yeah. Um, so parent myself, parent, sister, parent, mom. Um, so everyone's aware (laughs) Kelly was there in parenting. She just didn't see her dad there anymore. So she tried to fill the void of the second parent by being the second parent. Yes. Um, so with our biological families, emotional safety is the number one tip, right? If the father, the mother, and the kids all feel safe emotionally together, then we'll communicate, we'll talk, we'll voice things. But if we feel emotional, um, distress, then we start to react like Eden was trying to parent. And then when people like me come into the picture, then Eden thinks that she's protecting me by keeping this strange man or protecting the family by keeping this strange man out. Yeah. And all we're doing is fighting. Yeah. Right. And it worked on many dudes before me where like drove them away and, or they weren't the right guy or whatever, but 
the whole situation was a lack of emotional safety, um, which then was stemmed from the biological family shifting. Would you say that's correct? Yeah. Do you feel emotional, emotionally safe in the house now? Yeah, for sure. Good. So with me, same thing, right? No father. And then mother ends up in jail at like one sister's taking care of me. Then auntie's taking care of me. Um, then, you know, ripped out of auntie's house. Mom's back out of jail. Mom's supposed to be mom again now. Then we move from Hawaii to Montana. So now friends, cousins, all that stuff is gone. Um, there's abuse going on. So zero emotional safety, right? From yeah. earliest of memories um, and hard reaction. I have to be the parent to myself. Yeah. Right? Um, and so years and years, as we've talked about in other podcasts of having to correct the feeling of emotional um distress and same thing in our household we had a couple of years of a lot of emotional stress that we had to work together and process through to get to this point where we are now which i think is very healthy yeah for sure so then we have step parenting and uh slash bonus slash bonus parenting thank you um and with that This one's tough for me because, like, legally, I'm not a step-parent yeah. yet in April. Yeah. I will be. Um, Super exciting. Yes. For those of you who don't know, another sweet moment of uh, family and emotional safety is uh, Eden, Maya, and Kelly proposed to me in Puerto Rico on an incentive trip um, yep. and decided to make our family a permanent. legal permanent family. Um, but yeah, that, uh, <laughs> literally never been more surprised in my life. It hit him so hard too. I was so confused. I was and we like, told, we told so many people in that, in Puerto Rico, we told so many people. I, nobody told me. We even told the people that were walking by as my mom was down on her knee, literally told them right then and there. Is that why you guys weren't on your knees? Well, well, Maya ran, <laughs> Maya ran her her necklace, and then I was like, oh, shoot, we have to be out there, too. Yeah, so I was confused, but yeah. um, we're going to add into the, the bonus parent, but I've been here for six years and yeah. basically just over six years, um, and so, you know, been a step slash bonus parent that whole time, and that's, I think, one of the the things that gets overlooked in um, the parenting world is you've got some boyfriend or girlfriend that comes into the picture and it's like, Oh, those aren't, you know, my kids. What if you're dating that person and they've got kids like you, those are your kids on day one, you've got to act as if those are your kids. Cause that's the role you're starting to step into. If that's not what you're there for, like they exist, it's never going to be a scenario where you got the woman and no kids. So, you just got to know that walking in. I had never dated a woman with kids. Uh, and then when Kelly and I started talking, I just told her, like, this isn't a slow game for me. You have kids. Like, we have to jump in or we have to not do this at all. Um, and so from day one for me, it was stepping right into step parenting um, and learning what parenting was and what it looked like and what they were doing that worked for them and trying to figure out, 
you know, why Eden and I were fighting so much. Um, so you have two step parents. I do. What's it like having step parents? Uh, well, I have John and hi, <laughs> and then I also have um my dad's wife Amber. Uh, she and my dad have been married for almost six years, seven years. And uh, also me and her didn't get along very well uh, from the beginning. Uh, it was just so hard having one step-parent come in. And my dad married this woman. Literally, he told me, 48 days. They were engaged for a year. And then they started telling people. And then two years later, they got married. Um, but they were only together for 48 days. So that was really hard on me. Seeing this woman, living with her, then buying a house with her, the same house that I used to live in. You guys still own the house. You just moved out for a little while. We're renting it and then yeah. moved back in. But now you're moving back into your old house, which psychologically your old family was in. Yeah. But now you're moving into your old house with a new woman. Yeah, and a new kid. and New brother. My new brother. Uh, he is right in between me and my sister. He is 10. And uh, it was just really hard because we lived in her apartment for a while. And then we moved into our house. Living in my old house with a different person that's not my mom. And my dad. Mm -hmm. It's just weird. so weird not mm -hmm. seeing my mom and seeing Amber. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, I think a year later, then I met John. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, two years later, they bought a house together. A couple years later. Five years later. Five years later. Yeah. <laughs> um, they bought a house together. I swear it's not the same house as my other parents. No. That'd be weird. Um, but they bought a house, and it was completely different from moving, not moving for five years, and then moving again. Uh, with, again, with another person that I hadn't, that I had known for five years, and then... The house. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is with this concept with Eden's stepmom moving into the old houses, we underestimate and don't fully look at um, psychologically what these kids could be going on with them because, you know, they're crying again. Emotions is how they communicate. And we're like, you know, that relationship is over and this is the one that we're in and what's going on and why are you crying? Trust yeah. me, super guilty of that. Um, and we got no idea that like this person's being mentally tormented by living in a house where the core family lived with a new family. Yeah. Right. And that's completely different for me. Things that we underestimate, right. That they're perceiving same as, she says 48 days later, they were engaged um, and a year. 
then getting married, right? And like way too fast, she says. Um, but really, we did even faster than that. Your mom and I were dating for like maybe four weeks before we had the real conversation of like, you have kids. Yeah. This either needs to happen or not. So then we moved in together and we've been acting like we're married for six years. Yeah. But we just, I was never going to propose. Kelly didn't want to get married the first time. Um, and so I thought this was just going to be what we did. And uh, then they proposed. Um, well, technically she proposed. We were there. I mean, it's all three of you guys. Yeah. Uh, and you're not par- you're not marrying one. You're wearing all three of us. Yeah. See. And so, um, we have been like married, but there was this step of marriage that like you guys were very involved in. Yeah. And now we're planning the wedding together. Um, we're going to Jamaica in April. Uh, four twenty in Jamaica. Yeah, what's up? Um, and it's this big family thing. And so where you think the marriage is just you and this other person, it's not. It's you, that person. And their kids. Their kids, whoever else might be involved, right? And so it needs to be a bigger conversation, which brings us into the second tip for um, what works for us in our parenting relationship is open communication. Um, so with us, it was a conversation. Kelly and the girls planned this out and talked for how long? Um, probably like, well, we were talking about it on the drive from Kalispell to Polson and probably like three or four weeks. Okay. So for like a month or so, they were planning out, um, the proposal and now we look at what resort we're going to go to for the wedding to have the families there talk about kind of where we want the ceremony to be. Um, it's a conversation with all of us cause it's our day. Yeah. Um, and so open communication, same thing with the co-parents, which is the next thing we're going to get into, but open communication with them and the kids all on like what we're talking about, what is happening. Um, we decided as a family that we were going to move to Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. And Literally yesterday. We were in Coeur d'Alene together talking and we were all like, is this something we want to do? And everyone was like, yeah. And we were all like, are we all kind of scared? And we were like, yeah. And we're like, okay. And we just talked about it. And now everyone's on board instead of the parents going, hey, this makes the most decision or most sense. This is what we're doing. And then the kids are like, well, why? What do, what do I get a say? Do I? It just loss of power, right? And so even if we talk about something, that doesn't mean that, you know, the child may make the decision or whatever, but it just means that even if they're not okay with the decision that's going to be made, they're fully informed on why it's being made. They get some uh, voice in kind of what the decision might be. They can be heard. Um, if it's, you know, misbehavior, they can have input on what punishment they think best fits. But just like, instead of this dictatorship of like, this is life and you're subject to live it. It's like, Hey, this is life. Like, how's that feel? What do you want to do about it? What do you think? Um, and sometimes it's just like, Hey, this is the shit sandwich. 
like we're stuck with it. Um, and sometimes it's like, all right, we don't have to do that. Um, but since we were little, little, little in our relationship, yeah. there's been a lot of long talks, haven't there? We used to call them John talks. They were so long. John talks, right? But just talk it out, right? Like on this podcast, just talk it out, right? If we can all throw our feelings out on the table and better understand each other, um, we have a much, much better chance of making it uh, in this relationship. Yeah. So for communicating openly, uh, like for me, step parenting, dude, whoo, it's tough. And especially with Eden, because our brains work very similarly. Um, we both have ADHD. Um, we both like control. Um, when we feel out of control, our reaction is to take control. So she's tr constantly trying to take control at five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven. Um, I'm constantly trying to take control as the father, parent, like responsible adult. Um, and so there's a lot of tension there. Um, especially when in the beginning, one person didn't want the other person there. Yeah. Right. So when you have to face someone every single day that you've got to basically fight with and you know the advice i would give is try and sit beside them and with them not come against them um but motherfucker do some days get hard man yeah and so you just butt fucking heads right and like you're just in it um and so the more that you can just show up for that little person and show them like, I'm not the enemy dude. Like over time, I think it was in a therapy session four or five years in, like we're talking a year and a half, two years ago, like right before we got into the house, um, we were in a therapy session and Eden had admitted like, yeah, for years I've been trying to get you out. Yeah. Right. Cause that's what I was so used to. I was used to, getting rid of my mom's boyfriends and you were probably pretty good at it <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> see uh but i'm just stubborn enough like her uh that i was it's my favorite thing about like what happens when an uh immovable object hits a unstoppable force um and so that's kind of Eden and I, right? Um, and so my job is just to hold the ground when she is trying to rip the ground out from under herself, me, everyone else, and be like, yo, we're good. But about four years in, five, four and a half years in, we finally got to start having a fun, decent relationship. Yeah. Um, so if you're not willing to stand the ground with a kid who wants to buck the system and get rid of you for four to five years like dude step parenting ain't for you check out just keep dating single men and or women um because those children have an idea of what they want their world to look like and you ain't in it so you got to show them what that world looks like for long enough that they are like okay cool you're gonna be here long enough you're gonna stick it out long enough um that you've got my trust cool let's do this so for me and eden that took about four years four and a half years um, last year and a half has been great. Yeah. Right. Um, so you gotta be willing to weather that storm. And that's the hardest part of step parenting is weathering that initial storm. Yeah. Co-parenting. I tell everyone I've been to war 
co-parenting is more difficult. <sighs> Period. No discussion. No cap. <laughs> Fuck, bro. It is by far the hardest thing I've ever done. Because there is nothing against Zach and Amber. No. I fucking love Zach. He's hilarious. He tries to make every situation funny, even when it's not. Hilarious, right? That's just his personality. Um, I'm the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I like to be funny too, but I'm more of a hard ass, like get shit done on this list. And so when you have like these different polar personalities of like, ha fun. Yeah, let's go. Let's play. Let's tickle. And this like, let's get shit done. When you're trying to talk about what needs to be done and how to raise the children and decisions that need to be made, bring the children into it. There's anxieties. The children are having to go from one house that's more lax to one house that's more strict. Yeah. Um, like it just one house that like they aren't, I don't want to say like overly focused on nutrition, but like we are way overly focused. Like when we find shit out, we pull it out. No gluten and dairy in the house now yep. from one of the previous episodes. The other house is like, fuck that. Like, Gluten, dairy, Yeah, we're going to live a life, right? Like, we're going to eat. We're going to enjoy ourselves. So even that, taking a kid and going and being on one type of diet and then coming over and having cravings and shit, and there's no way to feed your craving. Yeah. And then you get bitchy and stuff because now you're swinging the pendulum on nutrition. Like, it's just no matter how good the relationship is, you have two different influences trying to teach someone who's learning about the world what the world is like so what the fuck is that like for you um so like you said i have four parents i have my biological parents and then i have my bonus bonus slash um step parents mm -hmm. um uh so having four parents is actually really hard mm-hmm um, because like you said, there's different eating styles, there's different rules in different houses. And so when we switch, it's just like, boom, you have to stop. You have to switch. Like one of those things is we are allowed to cuss at our, uh, at my mom's house, but we are not allowed to cuss <laughs> at our, um, at my dad's house. Only if it's in a song, but that's about it, or in a title. Um, but other than that, the it's just been hard because I've seen so many people, like even with my friends, like they're like, "Oh my gosh, can we have a sleepover today?" I'm just like, "It's a Friday. Mm -hmm. I have to go to my dad's house." Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just, I've honestly gotten used to saying that, um, because I've been doing it for like. Years. Years. So many years. So, like, moving uh, here, um, it's so hard not having the same friends that know my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, and having to switch that and having to tell everyone that my parents are divorced and I have different parents and I have four and I have to switch like, all of that, it's really hard to tell people, especially because it's, 
I've known that style for so long. Mm -hmm. And when when I tell people, oh, I have to go to my dad's house, everyone's like, you mean your dad <laughs> and your mom's house? I'm like, no, no. my dad's house. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's started to get really easy. Um, but now that we're moving to Coeur d'Alene, the first thing that I thought of when my mom brought it up, I was like, what about schooling? What are, what are we going to mm -hmm. uh, How many schools are there here? Mm -hmm. She goes, we're doing homeschool. Mm -hmm. You mean how many co-ops mm -hmm. are there here? So doing that is going to be a lot easier than mm -hmm. what we have been doing for the previous six, seven years. Mm-hmm. So... All of that came from open communication, right? Yeah. Like, it's really tough. Um, we tried it in Missoula and in Kalispell of like, hey, we'll do school or you guys do school. And then no matter what, like, Friday comes all around, your friends all ask for a sleepover, but you're going to the other parent's house two and a half hours away. Yeah, so it's, it's also good that we switch because mm -hmm. now I can have sleepovers with mm -hmm. my friends there, but I can't here because well now um since it's the summer um but right when my friends go back to school mm -hmm. they're going to school and, and their parents are going to say no to sleepovers because it's a school night um but now that i have the opportunity to meet new people now that we're living again in an apartment complex we have a pool there. We have tennis courts there. We have the clubhouse there. There's so many places to meet people. And the homeschool co-ops that we're going to do, there's just going to be so many places and so many times that I'm going to be able to meet people and and or connect with the same people and or connect with my sister or my parents or, like, now that we're doing two weeks with each other, like, throughout the years, um, it's going to be a lot better now. And also, I can have sleepovers with my friends since we're going to be at the places on weekends. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, with that open communication, we just found out that the girls weren't enjoying themselves going to school leaving their friends, going to a different house. Um, myself and Zach were not enjoying ourselves because, you know, I'm going and traveling for work. They're with me Monday through Friday. I'm missing most of my time. Then they leave and go to Zach. Zach does some work, weekend work. He's missing time with them. Um, and so through open communication, we are like, this isn't working for anybody, right? And everyone was like, no, not really, but what option do we have? And that's what kind of pointed us to homeschool. We could go two, week, two weeks on, two weeks off. That way you can have sleepovers with your friends on weekends that are still going to school because you don't have to go up and see your other parents. Yeah. You can be down with your friends or up with our mm -hmm. friends. Um, with how much I travel, they can come with me. That's how we just ended up deciding to move to, to Coeur d'Alene is they were traveling with me for work because now they have homeschool. Part of the choice to move to Coeur d'Alene was the choice for um, homeschooling and co-ops. And, and more, like, travel teams for, like, because this year I wanted to go into sports. Mm-hmm. Um, like, volleyball and softball mm -hmm. I want to do. 
And so, like, I could potentially try a travel team. Correct. Because now that we're doing homeschool, it's going to be easy for us to go to Billings. And I can do my traveling there. Mm -hmm. And while we're at the hotel, after my game or my practice that day, I can do my schoolwork. Mm -hmm. Like, it's that easy. <laughs> Literally, like, it's that easy now that we're doing homeschool. You heard it here first, folks. It is that easy. Um, so with being good co-parents, um, I think that comes down to, for us in our household, is really, really knowing our family's morals, values, and ethics. If we know that then it gives kind of this clear message um, to both the child and the parent of in a moment of misbehavior, in a moment of, and I say misbehavior, but in this context, it's actually different behavior because yeah. at a different household, that might not be misbehavior. So you can't program into that child that that's misbehavior if someone else is programming into that child that that is behavior right or good yeah. behavior or better behavior correct so then what you can say is hey in this household is that how we act is that how we behave is that how we talk is that how we whatever in this scenario like even in this household they can cuss you don't hear eden cussing on the podcast right now it's not appropriate Right. Yeah, I decided that myself. It's not appropriate for the multiple listeners that are probably going to listen to this. And we asked her if it felt appropriate. We didn't tell her this is inappropriate. We asked her, does this feel appropriate with the family members that you know are going to be listening? And she was like, no. Right. Yeah. So she gets to make that decision on what appropriate timing for using those words is. Yeah. Um, she doesn't do it at school. She doesn't do it at now that school's not a thing. Um, let's say grandma's house. Yeah. Right. Like there's just times where that isn't. So you have to be able to go, okay, what house am I in? Even if I'm in the house where this is okay, is this the right time for this? Um, and so when you have your family stuff dialed in, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing, what the other house is doing, what another religion is doing, what another political figure is doing. It doesn't matter because, Hey, is that what we do? And then they can just go, Nope. And if it's written or, um, or hanging up somewhere and we've got them written here, they're old. We haven't done them since we got, uh, our new house. And now we're moving again. So what I think we'll do is revisit these, um, clean them up a little bit and hang them in the new house. But some of ours um, is just like ethically uh, and morally, I'll, I'll tell this story and it always shocks people, but this is how I talk to everyone. I don't sugarcoat stuff for kids Not or at adults. All. Not at all. <laughs> And so my youngest daughter, Maya, she's probably three or four. This is in the very beginning. And she's outside like she always is in a fancy-ass dress in some dirt playing with bugs. And she's, I can't remember if it was her, like, thumb fist and she was, like, punching ants or if she had a slipper and she was, like, slapping ants. But she's killing ants, which every single kid does right we're just like oh yeah little ants bop, 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 bop. they're smaller than us why 
Mm-hmm. Why are they alive? So I just asked her, again, open communication. Hey, babe, why are we killing ants right now? And she's like, because well, they're small. They're teeny tiny, and look how easy they die. And I was like, hmm. So should I kill you right now? And I know a lot of you are shocked by that. Um, and she looked at me shocked, like, what the hell is this strange man asking me if I want to die for? And so she just looks at me and, like, shakes her head, kind of, like, confused, like, why would you even say that? Yeah. And I was like, look, you're smaller than me, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. So by your logic, I should kill you. And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, then we don't kill things just because they're smaller than us. Yeah. Okay. So one of our values in our family, one of our ethical boundaries, uh, one of the morals that we live by is we do not kill, comma, unnecessarily because we eat. Eating alone means that I need to kill a plant, pick it out of the ground, eat it. I need to kill an animal, put it on the grill, cook it up, eat it, right? Things need to die in order for me to live. So that is a necessary byproduct of life. And people who say, you know, they're vegan, they don't kill, that plant is alive and growing. And then you pull it out of the ground and it stops growing. That's called killing something. So we don't kill unnecessarily. If there's a spider in the house, the rule isn't kill it. It's pick it up, take it outside. Move it, okay? He's just in the wrong spot. He doesn't need to die because of it. Again, smaller than us, we take him outside, we put him in the grass, he goes and lives his spider life, and maybe a bird eats him 10 minutes later. That's none of my business. I'm just not going to kill him because he's in the wrong spot at the wrong time, right? And the bird needs to eat it. Like we would need to eat a cow or... Even though that's a bad example, a cow is way bigger than us. Even if we would need to eat something that's in the wild that's smaller than us. Chicken? A chicken. Chicken? I love chicken. I know, we all do. Um, like, but we don't, if we don't need it, like right at that moment. My grandma has chickens. I do not like chickens. Um, when we went to Kauai... There, we ate outside, and the chickens were everywhere. She thought the chickens were trying to eat her. We had to have a reverse <laughs> lesson of they want to eat bugs and your food, not you as food. And then literally right when we got done talking about it, and I was, like, calm, and my feet were on the ground, and I was calm and calm and calm. This freaking bird comes, jumps on our table, Take some of our, my food, not even anyone else's. He takes my food and leaves. I told you he wanted your food. I was like, well, that's one brave bird. See, so morally and ethically, that bird is willing to steal to eat. Yeah. Right? So that bird knows his moral and ethics. Um, you got to know your family's morals, ethics, values, because it keeps you guys going in a straight line. Um, a lot of people default to the church's morals and values. They probably have good morals and values in there. Yeah. Not disputing that. I don't know if I would agree with and use every single one of them on my family. Just look them over. Maybe take two or three that you really like, use them, and maybe put two or three of your own in there. Um, yeah. But figure out what your family wants, 
the kind of people you guys want to be. And that will help direct you um, on staying when things get off and people start losing their temper, misbehaving or behaving differently than you do in that house. If they don't know how to behave in that house, you cannot come down on them. It's like, hey, you didn't stop at the stop sign. Well, there was no fucking stop sign. Well, I don't care. You should have known that there was a stop sign there. What the fuck? No. If there's no stop sign, I'm going to keep going. So if you want me to stop, you got to put a stop sign there. Yeah. You got to have signs, which means you need values, morals, and ethics for your family. So you can always default and point at the sign and go, did you speed through that sign? And they go, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's not do that anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go back. Try that again. Mm-hmm. Let's stop next time. And then when it's time to go, then we can go. And do we need to retry things a lot? Yeah. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. Okay. So um, going through those top three, biological step and co, emotional safety, open communication, and know your family's values, morals, and ethics. We're going to jump into the backside of the next four right after a quick commercial break from me. Hey, y'all. Sorry to have to interrupt the show, but it's time for a quick word from our sponsor, me. As some of you may or may not know, I am the president and CEO of Divinity Group LLC, the supplemental insurance agency that pays for this entire show. I recorded this commercial to let you know that I'm looking for high-quality individuals to add to my team in 2023, and I think that quality individual could be, should be, you. Now, why would you want to work with me? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Are you the kind of person who likes flexibility of schedule, uncapped earning potential, weekly bonus cash, quarterly bonus stock, residual income, all expenses paid incentive travel, vested ownership in what you're building, unparalleled culture and community? <sighs> of course you are. And so am I. See, look how much we already have in common. <laughs> all right. So why would you want to learn from me? Also glad you asked. I'll give you five reasons. One, you're already listening to my podcast, so yeah. I've been doing this for five and a half years at a very high level. I'm the number one agent in the state of Montana. I'm one of the Flathead Valley's 20 under 40, and I want to teach you how to take control of your income. All right, look, if what I've said in the past 90 seconds has piqued your interest, then peek the link in the description to watch our recruiting video and reach out for some more info. All right, okay, all right. I'll shut up about what I do and get back to what it is that I do. Let's go! And we're back. What's up, y'all? Uh, okay, so getting back into it, the fourth type of parent is an adopted parent, okay? Um, whew, man, uh, talk about being like a step-parent or a co-parent. Um, I haven't adopted a child yet, but I was an adopted child, and I didn't get adopted until I was 19. Um, I started staying with my adopted parents probably around 11, in and out all the time, uh, really started kind of behaving like a family member at about 15, um, turning 16, like late 15, um, and you, when you're that kid, man, you want family worse than anything, but 
you've grown up without family. You've grown up without yeah. structure. You've grown up without rules. You've mm-hmm. grown up without all these things. And so now you're a teenager that needs family, wants family, craves family. But anytime anyone tries to impose their values, morals, ethics, rules, any of that on you, now you're a teenager with his own sense of the world. And you're like, fuck you, bro. Feed me. House me. But you don't get to tell me shit. Yeah. Right. So whew, to the adoptive parents out there, like good on you, because I was a fucking asshole right now. Later in life, they were the fucking assholes uh, and yeah. unadopted me um, literally because I was taking too long getting Eden and Maya kind of broken into being around people that cuss and like their Brooklyn, New York, Vietnam veteran. These girls were raised Mormon, Mormon, Mormon. Like, my grandma was Mormon. Her mom was Mormon. Her grandma was Mormon. Like, my whole family was Mormon. But I used to say that I was half Mormon for some reason. I don't know why. Kelly's seventh generation Mormon. That's on one side. That's not counting her dad's side. Like, Maya used to cover her ears and, like, run away when you would cuss and hide. And my adopted parents wouldn't tone it down and so i told him i needed to take some time away and get these girls kind of acclimated and then i could reintroduce them and uh apparently too long went by and they were just like hey look you haven't been around for a while so let's just call it quits um and so if you're gonna tell somebody that you love them, especially as a child, that love better be unconditional, right? That love was coming and wrapped in conditions and I didn't meet those conditions and I actually didn't know the conditions. So um, I was given love and then had it taken from me based on time, right? Um, You've got to give people time and space if you say that you love them to do whatever they need to do, right? Yeah. Um, so to those of you who do take people in, that better be a contract that you're ready to hold up until they die or you die. Cause don't fuck with people, man. Like family is not about blood, right? I can go to show that on so many levels, especially just sitting here in the studio with Eden. Um, family is like she said, showing up every day till the end. Um, and so for those of you out there who are adopting, thank you. Cause those kids, they need it. They need family, right? That's our base level. Biological drive is community. We're herd animals. Um, and when we don't have a herd, whoo, we start to lose it up top, bro. Uh, we go a little kooky. And if anyone, John would definitely know that he was on his own for, a long time. A very long time. And it made me kooky. And then when I came into a family, I was—I didn't know how to be a part of a family. I was yes. a raging asshole. It took me a minute to learn how to be a dad and be a husband and be in a family setting and let people emotionally regulate. I was still all drill sergeant and like it was—it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like be there for kids because they're looking for that sense of security. With that, foster parents. Um, For foster parents, uh, I can't even – 
I dodged the foster system anytime like anyone threatened to call CPS or any of that. I was like, dude, I will lie up and down when they show up. I'll say, I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I'm not going and surfing through that system, ending up in somebody's house, back in the system, somebody else's house. I'm an asshole. They don't want me. I'll just do that on my own. I'll crash on my friend's couches. I'll hang out at my house. So like if I'm going to be fucking basically living a foster kid lifestyle, I'm going to do it on my terms not the system's terms. So for those of you who are working in the system and trying to pull kids out of there legitimately and find them um, forever homes, like y'all the real MVPs um, for... Uh, should we... Uh, I actually don't know the difference between adopting and being a fo and being fostered. Very good pause, girl. Um, so pause. Rewind. Um, so a there's a whole system with the government for kids who are not properly cared for. Um, not all the kids who are not properly cared for get into the system, but a lot of them do. And it's called a system because it's the government. But basically you will have like public housing, um, kind of like a military barracks for kids where there'll be a bunch of beds and like dressers and stuff um, in one room. And the kids all live in there. And they're cared for by this staff. Um, but it's kind of like going to school. There'd be a bunch of kids per one adult. But sleeping there. They're sleeping there. They're eating there. They're at their life there. It's like in their home, but they're all there. Then what happens is that system will get overloaded. There's too many kids to actually stay in these buildings, in these places. So you'll have foster parents that they don't want to be the forever parent sometimes they do their adoption just um their adoption paperwork and all that stuff it's a whole legal process yeah. isn't done so what they'll do is they'll be a middle home where a kid will go and be placed with them and they'll stay with them for a while so that they have a home until their adopted parent their forever home comes and legally adopts them and takes them to be the parent for forever and then yep. another kid that's in the overflow mm -hmm. they'll be like hey will you we take another kid, that one just left. We know you got a room and all that available. And the parent will be like, yeah. And so they'll just recycle kids and be a pad for a kid to crash at until they go to their forever home. And man, to me, that's so much harder because you're putting in the time, the effort, the discipline, the money, the food, the energy, the love, the all that. For them just to leave. And you're doing it because you want to raise and you want to be there for kids and you want to help. But then that thing that you're pouring all your time and energy into just disappears one day. And then you get I... another one and you start over. And then you get another one and like... Then it's just too many and you're like, I got to stop. And then they're just like, but you've been doing this for so long. And they're like, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they do it until they like physically can't anymore. They're just too old. There's some people like that. They're just good people that yeah. give their lives being a middle home for kids. Like, Thank you for that. Yes. Um, and so adopted means you've done the legal paperwork to make this child legally Yours. your child. Um, so with that, um, how I got adopted really was my mom was just complacent as fuck. She just, she was always like there. And I don't mean always there, like not at my events, not at my things that 
I needed her to be at games, like school. She's at the house. She, but like I'd go home and she was there sometimes. Like sometimes she was gone with a boyfriend or whatever, but she'd always come back. Um, so like she was there, right? We would take off on a trip together and have some fun, and then we'd come back. And so like my mom was there, right? But like a lot of times, if she wasn't or she was out of town or I was staying, what got me into families is dinner. And when I came back from my military training after running away from home, I was living back in Hamilton, um, going to work every day, going to Taekwondo two times, three times a week. And they just started being like, Hey, like you're, you're out here on your own. Right. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, cool. Do you want to come over for dinner every once in a while? And I was like, sure. yeah, I'd love some food. <laughs> Um, and then they started sending me home with food to put in my refrigerator. And then it was, Hey, do you want to come over for Thanksgiving? And then it was Christmas. And it just became this, like, I was coming to family events, which as Kelly likes to say, what life is about is the food you eat and the people you eat it with. Cause my mom loves food. I get that from her. <laughs> her love language is food minus food and gifts. So there you go. Um, so for us, family dinner, um, in our house is a big, big deal. And that's why the school thing was really hard is because with my work schedule, I was missing a couple dinners a week. Yeah. They kind of didn't really match up. Right. And then they were going to bed. And then on a weekend when I could make up some of those dinners, they were gone. And so now we have dinner together almost every day again. Cause it's not like, Oh, you got to be up for school first thing in the morning. Um, we can have a late night if we need to, cause I get home late or whatever. So with family dinner, it's very important time for us to connect. Um, and we do something over dinner that I'll let Eden talk about, um, where we share about our day and everyone gets undivided attention while they talk about this stuff. Sometimes we get some interruptions. <laughs> we definitely do. Um, but the point is just, Hey, this is our moment to kind of like, connect and be like what happened to you so what are the things we talk about at family dinner every night so the first thing that we always talk about is um we always start with a different person we don't always start with the same person mm -hmm. um but the first thing that we talk about was what was the highlight or the best part of your day mm -hmm. the next thing that we talk about we do not like the word what was the worst part of your day yep. So we do what is the most challenging part of your day. Mm -hmm. um, after the challenge, I added in, um, I am, like I said, me and my mom love food. Mm -hmm. So I added in, um, what did you have for lunch today? Mm -hmm. um, after that, we, I think this is like really cool now that we're doing homeschool mm -hmm. with this question. Uh, the question is, what did you learn today? Mm-hmm. The last one is, um, uh, it's like a really big one for our family. Mm -hmm. We are always talking about gratitude. Mm -hmm. So the last, um, question, uh, while we're eating dinner is, um, what are you most grateful for today? Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I was younger, I would literally look at the microwave and say, I am most grateful for the microwave today. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they were tolerant since I was really little, but sometimes John would be like, no, look, 
look at something else or like say something. So he, um, most recently, like a couple years ago, he said, okay, close your eyes. Mm-hmm. And then I would think of something that I was most grateful for. Mm-hmm. And now I am, mm, I can like go through other things in my head without closing my eyes. And that like that closing your eyes while thinking of what you're grateful for is really it's an easy thing to do and uh super helpful so that you don't look at something and say oh well i am most grateful for that wall today mm-hmm. so and with gratitude uh you guys are getting a little bonus here it's this topic is about family dinner but um that is probably the biggest part of our family dinner yeah. and with gratitude, it's big for me in my life um, with what I've been through. Like almost everyone has shit that they want um, and they're like, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. But they're not grateful for what they already got. Yeah. Especially if it's something as simple as the breath in your lungs, right? Yeah. So there's some people that don't have breath in their lungs anymore. Correct. So if you can't be grateful for what you do have, what the hell – are you going to do when you have the house, have the car, have the job, have the whatever it is that you want? You're not going to be grateful for it. So what like what the hell? So practice the gratitude of having the things that you already have, the little things, the daily things, um the moment by moment things, find gratitude in those, share them, think about them and then that feeling of gratitude is going to start propelling you towards bigger, better, more because yeah. You're grateful for what you already have. So that's a big bonus one um, for us. With family dinner, that's kind of a biological tradition, I would say, because the fifth thing we're going to talk about, we talked about adopted and foster parents, four and five. Um, Now we've talked about family dinner, and now number five is nonconformal traditions for us. Um, A lot of families have traditions, meaning church on Sunday, church on holidays, um, celebrating all the government holidays together, all that stuff. But to me, I don't like being told what the fuck to do, let alone what to celebrate, what color to wear on that day or what. Like, I fucking don't, bro. Like, don't tell me what I'm celebrating, don't tell me why I'm celebrating it. Definitely don't tell me that I need to spend my money on somebody else to buy them a present to make them feel like I love them just because you have a holiday coming. Yep. Like, we don't participate in formal traditions. Except for the ones that are important to me and my sister. Yeah. So, like, if they want to do, like, Christmas, cool, but for us... It would be, and this is number six, experiences over gifts. Like, we're not going to spend a bunch of money to give you a bunch of plastic that you're going to get tired of and give away or throw away like they're literally doing right now in our house, throwing away old Barbies. Yeah, we're giving away some Barbies. Like, kids have Barbies, kids have G.I. Joes, kids have Legos, whatever. But, like, once you have a certain amount of them, like, play with those. Yeah. And we're going to spend that money on experiences together that's one of our traditions if the girls are like i still want to blow up fireworks okay to me we don't do that in the summer in montana we'll do that in new year's when there's snow on the ground we're not going to light anything on fire um for me uh not a big gifts is not my love language so not a big deal to me but if it is to somebody 
then we'll, yeah, we'll get you a few meaningful gifts. We'll make it a surprise. You can unwrap it, do the whole thing, but yep. don't expect the whole tree to be like, Covered. oh my God. And like the overwhelm and the like dopamine of just unwrapping shit and like, uh. again, gratitude, get a couple of things, be grateful for it. Their birthdays, they each get to choose an individual thing that they want to do that the family's all going to do. Eden's picked... Well, my most recent one was uh, for the past two years, if you guys don't know this, I love horses. Like, literally, I've wanted one the whole time that I've known John. She has. I'm not buying a fucking horse, though. <laughs> um. So, I, for my birthday and um, sometimes for Christmas, um, John... And my mom pay for riding lessons. And then for my birthday, they give me, um, they let me pick four friends to go just ride in an arena with me with some horses that I've done at um, Firefly Horse Company for the past two years now. Yep. So she picks horses. We may do a horse thing again this year. New, we will. New place. New horses. Um She's picked ice skating. Yeah. Um, I've I've fallen a lot on that. Yep, we all do. Um Maya has picked Snowboarding. Snowboarding for Christmas. Um The Great Outdoors was her most recent one. Yep. A big play area for her and her friends. She's done hot springs for the family. Oh yeah. Um, I remember that one. So that's a thing. Like we can still celebrate the holiday, but we're gonna spend our money on experiences, not presents. So still do it. Um but do it a little bit different. Experience are experiences are more memorable f for me because you can buy me cheap plastic mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna remember it. I don't remember my first Barbie. Like, mm -hmm. do you remember your first trip to Hawaii? Yes, I do. Very <laughs> yes, much so. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also remember our most recent trip to Hawaii and our mm -hmm. trip to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. Um, which is <laughs> coming back later. Um, Jamaica, but yes. Yeah. Um, so those experiences are like more memorable to me mm -hmm. than toys yep. and stuff like that. There was one toy that I have remembered for a couple of years now. Um, John bought me a American Girl doll horse that I named after my mom's best friend at the time because she, when my mom has friends, they become my friends too, so I have to approve. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also know most of John's friends. It's true. Um, so that I literally like just gave it away. <laughs> like literally two years ago, I just gave it away. And but, it has hit me very hard giving it away. But we knew that was a meaningful toy. Right? Yes, because Big. it connected to the thing that I love the most. Mm -hmm. So stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Definitely. If it's going to bring you joy. Yeah, sure. sure. If it's just going to be like, oh, I got you the surprise, and then that's going to sit in the closet, I'd rather take that $10, put it in an account, and then we can go somewhere with it someday. Now um, that we're living closer to Silverwood. We can go to Silverwood. So, um, yeah, it's for us making sure that we are setting up 
um, traditions that mean something to our family. One um, uh, holiday we do celebrate. Yeah, I'm going to get all the hate. Do you know what St. Valentine actually did? Yeah, I do. Um, but for us, it is a day where we don't do like chocolates and flat. Like we pick a resort somewhere and we go have a really nice fancy dinner together and we eat a meal and we talk about like big family things and then we stay in the resort and we might swim and but it's just a day for us to go be together um <laughs> a family one uh valentine's day came over and paid us twenty dollars for being an attractive family oh my gosh yeah that girl was definitely drunk but still <laughs> she literally gave me and my sister but then again she was drunk so she called my sister my brother um, she said, here, this is for you and your brother because your family's so attractive. She gave us both $20. Boom shakalaka. And then John gave our money to the waitress. I just paid it forward, that's all. Thank you for calling us attractive. We don't need the money. We're going to pay this forward to our uh, hardworking waitress. Yeah. Because um, she probably needs it a lot more than we do. She did. She did. And she did a good job. Yeah. So Valentine's Day, um, that's one that we fall in line with but still do it a little bit different. Um, the girls proposing to me, non-conformal tradition, this model necklace that I'm wearing is my uh, wedding ring, non-conformal, right? Um, we do the thing, but we do it our way, and that falls in with the values, morals, ethics is like we decided as a family what Christmas, birthdays, Valentine's Day, travel, weddings, proposals, all that stuff look like. We didn't read some book and go, oh, the man has to propose by getting down on one knee. You need something blue, something old, something new at your wet. Like, no. no. Kelly and I are wearing black. Everyone else is going to wear white. You don't wear white at a wedding. All y'all motherfuckers are wearing white. We're wearing black. Like, it's our thing. <laughs> Eden might wear gold, okay? You don't tell us how we're going to run our wedding our way with our family. Um, so just talk it goes back to open communication and figuring out what your values morals and ethics are and that will help you decide what your traditions need to look like okay into the tail end of this thing um the sixth type of parent is a coach right um coaches man underrated y'all teach the real shit that needs to be taught um especially when parents aren't that's what taught me everything i needed to know was my drill instructors, my um, martial arts instructors, uh, my football and baseball coaches. Um, you guys are parenting when the parents aren't. Um, and my Taekwondo instructor parented so much. Parents. They became my kind of foster parent. And then my foster from my foster parents ended up legally adopting me. Um, and so what started as a coaching relationship and a competitive team that traveled the country, it moved into now fostering and eating family dinners and then bam legal adoption so yeah you're teaching us and showing us the things that we crave in a family with that discipline and that structure and that um so you haven't really had any coaches you've had a therapist yes you've had a writing coach but we haven't done that consistently enough you had a running coach for a while. I did. She was also my teacher. Okay. Um, I did absolutely love her. And I, the only reason that I did sign up for that running 
thing is because that she was one of the coaches. Mm-hmm. And it was so much fun because she was one of the coaches. Um, and I absolutely loved her. And so I signed up for more things because of her. I had no idea I loved running that much until I did that running program. It was still tough. And um, shout out to John. He did a 5K with me on a uh, healing foot. So uh, I said I'd do job. it. You show up, right? I said I'd do it. I broke my foot. He said, if anything, I'll do it on crutches. I got to the uh, end of my 10 weeks, and the 5K was then, and I was like, fuck it. I said I'd do it. Let's go. Um, so as soon as I was out of my boot, uh, I was on the pavement. So show up. And in the airports. Right? Because I told her I would coach her through her run and be her um, pacer because her coach, her teacher was pacing other kids. So had to show up. Um, so being a coach, right. And then the good Samaritan, if any of you listening were ever the good Samaritan in my life, the list is literally way too fucking long. Um, and guaranteed with just memory from being a child over the past 25 years and stuff, I would leave a bunch of you out. Um, and I don't want to do that, but if you're listening, uh, number one, thank you for listening. Thank you for whatever you did for me, food, money, um, a vehicle, a ride, uh, paid my martial arts fees, like whatever it was that you did that helped me get through whatever slack you picked up that my parents didn't. Um, I appreciate you. You literally made it so that someday I could do that for somebody else uh, and she's sitting here with me. So y'all did probably more for me combined as your little blips of Good Samaritan um, helping a kid out with what you could than any one person ever did in my life. So thank you. Um, Keep doing it. It's why I keep paying it forward. Um, And anyone out there, if you can help, uh, do. Because just like being a foster parent, you don't know what course that little bit of help can change for that child. For any child. Mm-hmm. So for you, do you have just some people in your life that maybe aren't parents that have helped you with stuff? Or bonus parents or anything? Just people, teachers, janitors? Um, well, they haven't helped me with things, but they have helped me with new experiences. Okay. Um... My grandma's neighbor, mm-hmm. um, she takes me to trampoline park. She takes me to Splash Montana. That's in Missoula. Um, she literally takes me wherever her kids go if I'm at my grandma's house. Like, she is the best neighbor you could ever have. She just brings you along for the fun, right? Yeah. So we repay her with um, delicious treats we gave her. Cookies, we give her rolls sometimes. Um, my grandma makes homemade jam and honey and her own rolls and cookies. Sweet. So Good Samaritan knows kids like having fun, goes over to the neighbor's house and says, hey, you want to come have fun? And then those experiences turn into memories, yep. friendships, bonds. Um, again, you don't know what just stopping by and saying, hey, you want to go to the water park will do for a kid. Yeah. Um, so... 
good. I'm glad you have other people like that in your life. So for me, the final thing um, that works for us with um, all of that that we've talked about is first-person education constantly. Um, my kids asked me at like four and six, they were like, hey, uh, we want a lemonade stand. And I was like, cool. And they were like, yeah, so let's go do it. And I was like, okay, what do you mean let's go do it? How? What do you mean? And they're like, well, you need to take us to get lemonade stand stuff. And I was like, okay, but who's going to pay for it? And they're like, well, you. And I was like, huh, no, 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 you're misunderstanding this. I don't want a lemonade stand. I will help you run a lemonade stand, but I'm not going to pay for it. I'm not going to go get the things. I'm not going to, like, no. And so they were like, well, how are we going to pay for it? I was like, you're going to save your money. So at four and six, they decided they wanted something. And instead of paying for it for them, I leaned into teaching them how to make, earn, ask for, and save money. Now, that lesson landed on one child better than it landed on the other child. Mm, landed on my sister better than it landed on me. Uh, so it landed on Maya better than it landed on Eden. And Maya saved her money for a year at four years old. Uh, and Eden blew all of her money for a year at six years old. Hey, I wanted Barbie stuff. Which is part of the lesson. If you want a lemonade stand, cool. Here's how you get there. If you want to spend your money, cool. You're not going to get a lemonade stand. Yeah. So we got to there. Eden's obviously upset. And Maya was like, well, I can pay for it. I got money. And she had like, I don't know, $100 or something at like six years old or five, four or five years old. She had like more than $100 because one year for Easter, John gave us, we were looking for, literally looking for these eggs in the house. And John pulls out these different colored eggs that are like huge eggs and they have a hundred dollar bill in them and that was literally again a memorable experience for me because it's just it's a kid's like life they love money <laughs> we, some kids yeah yeah like I love money because I get to go spend it. <laughs> you love spending money. Your sister loves money. Yeah. Um. So to this day, that was like two years ago, two or three years ago, mm -hmm. my sister still has that $100 bill. Correct. She hasn't even broken it. She just looking has at it. Has not. No, she just, sometimes she just pulls it out to look at it. Mm -hmm. So that was a lesson in itself. So then we went to get the lemonade stand and Eden's like, oh, okay, cool. Maya's going to pay for this. And I was like, no, Maya owns a lemonade stand. She had a little bit of money. You had like 10 bucks, maybe. Yeah, um, I had like, we went to a coin store and I had $7. Right. That's all she had. So we did a majority shareholder and I figured out how much money Maya put in, how much money Eden put in, what the percentage of that was. And then Maya took the majority of the profits until Eden could pay her back um, sale by sale by sale by sale until she bought back into equal shares. And then they had their lemonade stand and they ran it for like three years. Right. And now they know how to run a business better than most adults because at 
four and six, they said, I want to run a lemonade stand. And so we put them into first person education instead of building them a lemonade stand because we're our whole job. The whole point of parenting, my job is to teach you skills, prepare you, grow you, develop you, increase the amount level or strength that resides within you so that when you get up to being an adult, you can do all the things that most parents do for you, that I do for you, that mom does for you, that everyone does for you. No, we don't do things for you. We teach you how to do things for yourself. And that's real hard for you, especially because I think it's less about unconfidence that you can't do something. I was just so used to people doing it for me. And she like part of her love language that she didn't talk about is physical touch when she was a little kid she said that her arms were tubes that her love went through and that's how she got it to you so she had to be touching you even now she wants to be like grabbing or cuddling or holding hands when she's walking like physical touch is very much a love language for her so she always wants people doing shit with her yeah and she's like, hey, do this with me. Come do this with me. Talk to me while I do this. Come hang, hold me, whatever, while I do this. Um, and so the hard part with Eden is getting her to just do things on her own, um, where Maya will do almost anything on her own. Um, anything and everything by herself. And it's not uh, always correct, um, but uh, she does it, and then we can correct it later. So. Yeah. Just knowing that whatever your kids want to do, they want to learn how to cook, they can handle some level of cooking at a teeny tiny age. They can smash an egg and fuck that up, right? That's cooking. <laughs> right? And then we know, okay, don't slam it down as hard. They can learn. You turn on the stove. We keep it low. It's fucking hot. Don't touch it. All right? Water. Here's how we boil it, okay? Like, if they want to cook with you, your job is to teach them how to be able to cook for themselves. If you don't know how to cook for yourself, your job is to go get the skills so you can first put them in a position where they can first person learn how to cook for themselves. So do you feel like you have to do a lot of your learning with assistance but by yourself? Yeah, so what I like to do is I like someone with me, mm -hmm. but I don't want them to do it for me necessarily unless it's a chore or something Unle unless it's work that mm -hmm. i have to do um but i am actually starting to like do chores without people asking me to do them yes you're growing up <laughs> indeed and so um actually the first thing that i learned to cook by myself was mac and cheese classic and then um, John started the podcast. It was going great. And then he brought Mackenzie Better on. And then I she did. told me that I could not have gluten or dairy. Disclaimer. Mackenzie Vetter did not tell anyone they could not do anything. Mackenzie Vetter said, here are the four food groups that cause inflammation in all human beings. And I said... We're going to remove those from our diet, and now you don't get them at our house. Yes. <laughs> so whenever I go to my dad's house, I always ask, hey, can I have some, like, mac and cheese? Because I know how to cook it by myself. That's... She doesn't like gluten-free, dairy-free mac and cheese. I mean, it's mac it's disgusting. and cheese, so I don't blame her. Um, 
And so it's just like the Annie's one that we have that's organic that we used to have. It's made out of rice. And the only, I like rice by itself. Correction with Yoshida's from Costco. Um, uh, that is like all that I like it with. So rice with cheese is just a lot for me. So I always ask my dad, hey, can I make mac and cheese? And they always say no, because they don't want to cook it. And every time I say, I know how to cook it. I know how to cook it. I know how to cook it. And they just, they, they just think that they are going to have to support me or Mm -hmm. sit there with me, watch me so I don't burn myself. Like, yes, I have burned myself cooking mac and cheese Mm -hmm. multiple times. The only, thing that I would need a little bit of assistance with is just pouring the water out. Yeah, pouring the water oh. pouring the water out uh can be difficult. Yeah. Uh it can burn yourself hella bad on that. There um, is a hack though. If you put the strainer in the pot and you tip it into the sink, that's how you not burn yourself. Try that. <laughs> there you go. You got a little mac and cheese pasta straining tip on the show. You didn't think you were gonna get that bonus. So, yeah, it's just constant education, whether it's cooking, whether it's the podcast, you know, right now we're in here um, recording in the studio, uh, going through her learning how to run the switchboard, turn on the mics, how not to spike the audio. Um, This is going to be a whole process for her. We'll get her learning the back end of editing. Um, We've got friends that are in the music industry. We're going to get her in with them into their studios. So it's just constant, constant, constant learning. You want to learn about horses? Cool. You're going to go learn everything there is from shoeing them and clipping them and picking up their shit and brushing them and washing them. People hate doing that, but that is literally my favorite part of owning having working at a horse barn is scoop at the crap (laughs) horse people are weird (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) and so it's just always 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 putting them in positions where they can learn where they can do the exercise where they can brush the horse where they can spin the clay at a pottery thing where they can do the art where they can cook the food where they can build the business empowering them to learn the things that they want us to do for them. And it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to want to do it for them. Cause that's your nature as a parent is I know how to do that. Let me make that easier for you. No, do not make it easier for them. Let them struggle through it with you there. They're not alone. You're right there, but like you need to do this. You don't walk for the baby. The baby learns to walk. You might be there to kind of, hold them up, you know, catch them if they fall, tell them it's all right. But that baby's got to take those steps. Um, same thing as they grow up, right? They have to do the work if they're going to grow. Um, so what works for us? I didn't break those ones down. Emotional safety, first and foremost, open communication, knowing your family's morals, values, and ethics, having family dinner together. And for us, having each person have some time where they get to talk about their day, their life, um, uninterrupted. Sometimes interrupted. <laughs> Sometimes. Nonconformal traditions, meaning 
decide what your family wants to do, how you want to celebrate, what you want to celebrate. Um, don't just do things because your parents or your grandparents or your church or whatever says that you should do them. Yeah. If you want to do them, do them, but don't just do them because somebody else told you this is what we do. Decide together. This is what we want to do. Yeah. We like experiences over gifts. We like the memories more than we like the toys. But toys are also good, too. <laughs> toys are good. I have toys. They have toys. Uh, one of our best friends, Dave Wood, has a toy. A big toy. A boat. And we are out playing on that thing all the time. So there's Literally nothing wrong tonight. with toys. Um, and then constant first-person education. Talking about the big toy, Eden knows how to drive the speedboat. Yes, I do. I have card very fast. Right? She knows how to turn it. She knows how to pull up on a surfer um, because Dave put her in the driver's seat and taught her how to drive a boat. Well, technically, he told me how to do it, and I just kind of did it. First-person education. Did a couple errors, kind of left John in the lake for a while. Happens, right? Um, but she went through that. She now knows how to drive the boat. So those are the seven types of parents. Those are the seven... Uh, tips that we have for you and your family that work for us and our family. Uh, Little Miss Eden, thank you very much for being a guest on the show and talking openly about your life, your experiences, your emotions. Something that we always leave people with at the end of the show is what being a healthy, wealthy person means to you. So a healthy, wealthy person, I've he's my stepdad so i've asked i've been asked this question a couple times um a healthy person is someone who takes care of their body mm -hmm. a wealthy person is someone who not only has money but uses it wisely mm -hmm. and um like those people literally if you just follow those you can live a healthy, wealthy lifestyle. Proud parent moment. I don't even have to say shit. Uh, this was awesome. Thanks, honey. You're welcome. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know what you think uh, in the comments of the podcast and or on social media, and we'll catch you right back here in two weeks for another episode of the Healthy, Wealthy People podcast. Peace. All right, y'all, we have reached the inevitable end of today's episode. But before we go our separate ways, I just want to take this moment to say fucking thank you. Thank you for investing your listening time with me when there are literally millions of other artists whose content you could be consuming. Your support means more to me than I can effectively put into words, which is why I'm going to ask you for one favor before we put a bow up on this bitch. If you have found any value in the show, there are three free ways you can help us grow. One, follow and or subscribe so you never miss another episode. Two, rate the show so other listeners can see just how motherfucking good our content is. And three, take a screenshot of this episode, tag me at John Divine Inc. and share it with your followers so that they have the same access to information that you do. Now get out there and enjoy the pursuit of the healthiest, wealthiest, most authentic version of yourself, and I'll see you right back here in two weeks for another Healthy, Wealthy Wednesday.